Support for WABE comes from Virtual Imaging, believing it's not just about living longer, it's about living healthier longer. Providing medical diagnostics to help catch deadly or debilitating diseases early. You can learn more on proactive screenings at virtualimagingatl.com. You love free, and at Ameris Bank, so do we. That's why we're proud to offer worry-free, hassle-free Ameris Bank free checking. Manage your money your way with convenient access to digital, mobile, and telephone banking, all with no monthly service fee or minimum balance requirements. At Ameris Bank, we're with you. For more information or to open an account, visit our local bankers in person or online at amerisbank.com slash free checking. Other fees such as overdraft fees may apply. Ameris Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Primary election night in Georgia was overshadowed by the horrific tragedy at an elementary school in Texas. Just hours ago, we paid for the weapons of war on our streets again, with the blood of little children sitting in our schools. Representative Lucy McBath won the Democratic nomination for Georgia's 7th Congressional District, and she's known for her work as a prominent gun control activist. We cannot be the only nation where one party sits on their hands as children are forced to cover their faces in fear. At Governor Brian Kemp's election night watch party, there was a moment of silence before he took the stage. Kemp didn't mention the massacre during his speech, but in a statement said he was uplifting the Texas community in prayer. Republican Senate candidate Herschel Walker was asked about new gun legislation at his watch party. Do you support new gun laws in the wake well, of this what Texas like shooting? Do, what I'd like to do is see it and, uh, and everything. So I'd like to see it. Being the next day, Democrats made it clear that gun safety will be a major campaign issue. This is Democratic State Senator Elena Parent. With Stacey as our governor, we'll improve gun safety and close loopholes that allow firearms all too often to fall into dangerous hands. How might campaign messages evolve after the primaries? I'm Raul Bally, politics reporter at WABE Radio. I'm Emma Hurt with Axios Atlanta. And I'm Sam Greenglass, also with WABE. Susanna Capilouto is away on assignment. And this is Georgia Votes 2022, a podcast from WABE in Atlanta that is all about the midterms. I vote because it's a privilege. I vote to do because I want to make an impact. I vote my because local. I want leaders who care Voting about Voting is the gift of so freedom. So voting matters to me because I believe there is value in my voice. All right, now I know we will still have some runoff contests to contend with at the end of June, but... But with so many races now set this week, including governor and U.S. Senate, I think it's fair to say we have entered a new phase in this election as the campaigns start looking ahead to November. Let's stick with guns for a moment longer. Raul, Emma, how do you think this latest mass shooting will affect the midterms in Georgia? Well, look, Democrats are certainly trying to make it that way. Their opening messages have revolved around gun control and the permitless carry measure that Brian Kemp championed in the legislative session last fall. Stacey Abrams released a statement saying, you know, years from now, Kemp will be remembered as a one-term governor who pointed a gun at a boy on television. 
We heard from chairwoman of the Democratic Party of Georgia, Nakima Williams, that safety is a top priority for Georgians. But at the same time, we have to remember that Republicans are not talking about that. They're talking about inflation and the economy. And the question becomes, as we have seen these shootings come and go in, in news cycles, what will voters have at top of mind by the time we get to November, which mm-hmm. is a long time from now? Mm-hmm. I agree. It's it's a long time even from the runoffs next month, much less November. But in the end, I would say no, and here's why. I think I think what you saw Tuesday is what you're going to see, you know, if if, an, if we have an, another unfortunate tragedy like this. You know, Governor Kemp made no mention of the shooting um, during his speech, but he also noticeably made no mention of the permitless carry legislation that he signed earlier this year. That's something that has been part of his stump speech. So at some point, that's going to be one of the things we're going to be watching. When does permitless carry come back? Uh, into his stump speech. I think it's going to be relatively quick. But again, it's going to depend on what events are going on as we get closer to the election. You know, in just the last couple of weeks, we have seen now two issues crop up onto the radar that maybe weren't front of center when we began this primary race a couple of months ago. That's guns, as we've just mentioned, and also abortion with the leak of this draft ruling that makes it look like the Supreme Court is readying to overturn Roe v. Wade. I wonder if you all had to distill the Democrats and Republicans' messages in 2022 down to just a few topics in those top two races, what would you say? Emma, why don't you start with the Democrats? Yeah, I mean, so far we're seeing gun control, abortion, and Medicaid expansion. Medicaid expansion is something we've been talking about in Georgia politics for a while. It was also a key part of Abrams' 2018 campaign And when, you know, when asked about the economy, what's your message on inflation? Republicans are talking about inflation. You're talking about gun control and abortion. Democrats say, yes, that's a problem, but our people need to be safe, but people's rights need to be protected. And so they are talking at kind of cross paths right now. And Rowell, how about the Republicans? It's going to look a little different at the top of the ballot, I think, with Governor Kemp. He's not going to make much of a turn. You know, up to this point, he has been campaigning against Stacey Abrams more than he's been campaigning against David Perdue. I think the message is going to stay the same, attacking Stacey Abrams, uh, keeping the state of Georgia open uh, around the COVID pandemic, economic development, and then, of course, other legislative initiatives. As for Herschel Walker, he's going to be connecting Senator Raphael Warnock to the Biden administration on issues like the economy and inflation. You hear a little bit of it with Governor Kemp and Stacey Abrams. You're going to hear a lot more of it uh, with the Warnock race. And and with Herschel, I also see the continuing biographical push, telling his personal story. But, you know, that personal story is complicated. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment. As for abortion... Abortion, to me, is a little more complicated for Republicans. You know, are they going to campaign on Georgia's new, more restrictive abortion law, which is currently tied up in courts, but if it takes effect, possibly after Roe versus Wade being overturned, you know, that would ban abortions generally after six weeks of pregnancy? Or are Republicans going to campaign on going even further, talking about a total ban, no exception for rape and incest that's in the current um, law that, that would take effect here in Georgia. So I think it's going to be interesting to see. And I still think what's out there, despite all the conversation around Tuesday's results, is 
the role of former President Donald Trump and the roles of false claims around the 2020 elections. I still think there's going to be a role there. So I think the messaging on Republican side, there's still some questions to be asked. All right. I want to play you before we move on from this section, a clip from Stacey Abrams earlier this week. I asked her whether the sheer numbers of new voters in Georgia since her last race in 2018 when she lost, I think it's north of a million voters have registered in the state since then. Will that be enough to overcome the political headwinds that are going up against Democrats right now? We have new people coming to the rolls, but we also have voters who've been here who for the first time believe it matters if they cast their ballot. And my intention is to make certain they have a reason to show up and to vote for their future. So I want to ask you guys, do you think demographics are destiny in Georgia this year? Not in the future, but but right now. Look, I mean, demographics are so crucial to telling Georgia's political story because this has been a driving force of the state's political dynamic changing. A big reason why the state is a battleground state. New in migration um, to Georgia of people of color from elsewhere, immigration from other countries, and those populations continuing to grow. And those are populations who tend to vote Democratic. And already, you know, uh, Abrams's campaign manager, Lauren Grow Wargo, has pointed out that more than 100,000 black voters who didn't vote in the 2018 primary have turned out this year. And while those numbers look good uh, for Democrats on their own, that's not a guarantee that Abrams wins because High inflation makes voters do unusual things. It turns out people who maybe don't normally vote as well. If we're looking at gas prices at $6 by the end of the summer, which is a projection I saw, you know, that is going to make a difference. And the question is, will Democrats, because of that, lose a lot of the people in the middle that did vote for Abrams in 2018? So demographics, crucial, but not necessarily destiny. And to a question of whether people who were turned off by Donald Trump, but maybe don't feel the same way about Republicans now that Trump is out of the picture and might be inclined to go back to that camp um, when Trump is not on the ballot or in the White House. Um, You know, I think that is an open question, too. Absolutely. And also, how does that play when you have Brian Kemp at the top of the ticket who cannot be attacked on the Trump issue by Democrats? It's interesting. Raul, I want to get back to demographics in a second, but it almost seems like Kemp has come out of this primary campaign appearing like a more moderate candidate than he actually is because of that issue that you just raised. It may appear that way because of what the primaries look like. But in the end, what you're going to see, in my opinion, in commercials, in social media is both sides arguing the extreme, saying Stacey Abrams is extreme that way and Brian Kemp is extreme that way. I think in the end, that's how the opposition is going to, you know, there may be a handful of voters that, that may look at it this way, but that's not how the campaigns are going to do it. And so, OK, let's go back to demographics for a second, Raul. So I've been in Georgia for, for three decades. You know, I grew up here. And for years, there was this conversation of when Asian Americans are going to vote. I think the first time I did the story uh, on the radio was 2004. 2020 was a game changer. You saw engagement on both sides. There was an Indian Voices for Donald Trump event. There's a group called Desi Blue that aims for Indian Americans for Democratic candidates. You saw large outreach from Republicans you know, towards African-Americans. They've got an office down in College Park. They've also, the RNC's also opened an office aimed at Asian-Americans. 
What it comes down to is when you're fighting for every single vote, you cannot leave any vote on the table, whether that's Asian Americans, Latinos, or African Americans. They have to get every single one of those votes, and, and both sides realize that. Absolutely. I think that's a really important point because the demographics can change and they have been changing. But what has really made a difference is representative, targeted engagement of these voters. And I think this is a good time to take a break. I'm Sam Greenglass, and this is Georgia Votes 2022. Support for WABE comes from Virtual Imaging, providing proactive medical diagnostics to catch deadly or debilitating diseases early, using state-of-the-art equipment to detect warning signs or offer peace of mind. You can take charge of your health at virtualimagingatl.com. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Welcome back to Georgia Votes 2022. I'm Sam Greenglass with Emma Hurt and Raul Bally. All right, let's move to the Senate race now, which is confirmed to be a contest between Herschel Walker, the former UGA football star, and Democratic incumbent Raphael Warnock. Walker is kind of an unconventional candidate. Um, I went to a rally of his last week at, of course, the Georgia College Sports Hall of Fame, uh, where he's got this whole display case about him right inside the front door. And, you know, so many people I talked to there were drawn to his campaign, not because of his policy platform, but because of basically his legendary status here in Georgia. Well, I wonder, like, is this the first celebrity turned politician in Georgia? Can you think of any others? Let me first say up front, there has been no candidate in my memory like Herschel Walker, because you're talking about a transcendent sports figure. You know, somebody who was part of the 1980 UGA National Championship football team, a name that that had such major name recognition. And when you see him on the campaign trail, it, I don't know how many times you've heard somebody ask a policy question. I mean, you, d- you did hear it in the open of the show, but generally it's go dogs or make America great again or go Herschel or run Herschel run. So there's not been someone like him. I mean, maybe the only other example to point to is Donald Trump, who ran for president, not having really a policy background, but yeah. certainly celebrity status in this country. That, that's a great point, Sam. You know, Warnock's campaign sent around a strategy memo uh, right after he was declared the official Democratic nominee earlier this week. Very pocketbook issue focused, um, fighting to lower costs, protect jobs, um, talking about price gouging, talking about veterans and military families. But also, I feel like we have not seen the kind of attacks on Walker that Democrats are preparing to unleash as we head into the thrust of this general election campaign. Emma, how are you seeing the Senate race shape up? Yeah, you know, Warnock hasn't had a formidable primary challenge, and he has been able in his short time in the Senate to focus on policies that appeal to a battleground state. I mean, he was one of the few Democratic senators who stood against what the Biden administration wanted to do in removing Title 42, this COVID era restriction on border traffic. And he uh, stood up and said, no, we need a we need a better plan in place. And as you outlined in this memo, like these are battleground state issues fighting to lower costs. Number one, we've seen him repeatedly come out with different measures on this, whether that's pushing for a federal gas tax holiday, which didn't go anywhere, but he's still trying to do or baby formula pricing, 
trying to remove sales tax in the grocery store. These are all things that he seems to be positioning with these national headwinds in mind, with the inflation rate and the economy to try to neutralize some of the Republicans' attacks on this issue. It's very different than what we're seeing, obviously, out of Stacey Abrams, because it's a federal office. So different levers of power that he has over this economic issue that he knows very well they're going to try to hang around his neck the whole time. All right, let's move further down the ballot now to the Secretary of State's race, not normally a marquee race in the midterms or any other election. Here in Georgia in 2022, it certainly has been. Incumbent Brad Raffensperger, the Republican, managed to fend off a challenger backed by Donald Trump. It didn't even go to a runoff. Uh, he, he was able to hit that 50% vote threshold despite constant trashing from former President Trump for not doing enough to help him overturn the 2020 election. How did Raffensperger manage to not only survive, but to do it without even going to a runoff? So as our editor, Susanna Capilouto, pointed out, and she's, you know, she's out on assignment today, the crossover Democratic voters were part of the difference that that may have helped him avoid a runoff. He got 52%. To remind our audience in the state of Georgia, you need 50% to avoid a runoff in any race. There were like about 40,000 people who voted in the Democratic primary two years ago who pulled a Republican ballot. Now, we're not saying every single one of them voted for for the Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger. But, you know, in in a state like Georgia where you have open primaries, where that is possible— that may have been, you know, what helped him avoid a runoff. And these are people who are ostensibly voting for Raffensperger because they're fearful of a candidate like Jody Heiss being Secretary of State who would have powers over elections in 2024 and the years ahead and who voted in Congress not to certify Biden's win. Absolutely. And, you know, I was there when Raffensperger declared victory and told him you know that uh, most Republicans have said that they left you for dead, that they assumed you would have no chance in a Republican primary. And what's your message to them? And he said, my message is that it seems like people care about the truth. They care about integrity and upholding the rule of law. And it was a really powerful moment because it is certainly true that most Republicans a year ago just decided that Raffensperger is going to be a casualty of this time and there's nothing we can do about it. And maybe it was the crossover voters. Maybe it was Republicans themselves who took a different tack than people assumed they would. But um, it was the biggest surprise of the night for sure. Okay, so I know we are eager to close this primary chapter, but but we do have a handful of runoffs still not in any of the most watched contests, I'd say, but can you each just tell me one race in these runoffs that you will have your eye on and think other people should too, and why? I'm really fascinated by the second congressional district right now. That is Southwest Georgia. That is our only competitive congressional seat in November. The incumbent is Democrat uh, Sanford Bishop. He's a longtime congressman, powerful force in Washington for Georgia. And there's a runoff on the Republican side of the ticket between Jeremy Hunt, who's a West Point graduate who trained in Columbus and is getting a lot of outside funding and support. I'm told that he outspent his opponent 11 to 1 just in this primary with outside support. And his opponent, Chris West, is a locally grown guy from the district. And regardless of um, you know what turns out, that race will be both interesting at the primary level with the outside forces at play and in the general. One of the races that our listeners have heard me talk about is the 10th Congressional. 
That is the seat currently held by Congressman Jody Heiss. That was one of the races I said at the beginning, I am watching to see the influence of Donald Trump. And the runoff involves Mike Collins, who is somebody who's run for that seat before. Uh, and that seat runs from Atlanta east toward Augusta. And Vernon Jones, probably a name that people around the country have heard. He is endorsed by the former president. He's a former Democrat. He was a Democratic representative just 18 months ago down at the Georgia State Capitol. That is a race that I still I still feel like is a still a measuring stick of the power of Donald Trump because he hasn't represented that area, Vernon Jones. And by the way, another thing for our audience to watch, some of the ugliness in that race will probably get national attention too. There is going to be some real mudslinging between the two, whether they're talking about corruption or personal or personal actions of, of either person. Before we go, I want to ask y'all how you will be recovering from this latest round of covering the chaotic and wild world of Georgia politics. Emma? You know, what I've learned about covering Georgia politics is when you have a moment that seems quiet, lean into it because it will shortly be gone. And right now we have runoffs, but I think everyone's going to take a beat here. So I'm also going to take a beat and try to do nothing. Maybe float Chattahoochee River this weekend, I have to say. My favorite my favorite summer activity in Atlanta for, for anyone who's in Atlanta or who might be visiting. So a little bit about my personal life. My kids are roller coaster freaks. We have done multiple Six Flags around the country. Uh, we've done, you know, Bush Gardens. We, we love roller coasters. And we are going to Sandusky, Ohio this weekend to go take on Cedar Point. So my DMs are open. Love <laughs> suggestions. But I think my son has already planned on what rides we're doing this weekend uh, up in Ohio. Oh, my stomach is turning just thinking about that. Uh, you would be better fit for Camp Snoopy as a Midwesterner who has spent much time at Cedar Point. Camp Snoopy is where it's at. If you're really? A coaster person. Okay, we're going to talk after the show. <laughs> well, that is all the time we have for today. Georgia Votes is a production of the WABE politics team. Our engineer is Kevin Rinker. If you have questions or comments, send us a note to GeorgiaVotes at WABE.org. And check out our sister WABE politics podcast, Political Breakfast, out Wednesdays. Talk to you next week. Local, state, national politics. WABE and NPR have the coverage you need. I'm Jim Burris, host of WABE's All Things Considered. Whether it's on the air at 90.1, streaming online, or connecting through our mobile app, WABE keeps you on top of election 2024 in what's sure to be a pivotal year in politics. And for candidates and ballot information, visit our election hub at wabe.org slash election 2024. The Gold Dome Scramble podcast is now plugged in, a WABE politics podcast. New name, same on-the-ground reporting from us, WABE politics reporters Sam Greenglass and Raul Bally. We'll cover local, state, and national politics as we talk to politicians and voters to break down each week's biggest headlines. New episodes drop on Fridays. Listen and subscribe at WABE.org or your favorite podcast platform. WABE.